welcome to tonight's episode of the Uncorked Corner podcast. I'm Bianca here with my co-host Nick and we are joined by Polana Bouvier. Polana is the president of Domain Estates, which has a portfolio of wineries including Inkgrade, Burgess, Stony Hill, Lagrasse and Haas, which we have here tonight, amongst many others. Polana, can you please start us off by telling us a bit about yourself and what you've been up to at Domain? Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, you know, we're doing some really amazing things here at Domain Estates. We're a fine wine luxury importer and marketer of the world's best wines. And really, you know, our mission and philosophy was to create a company that attracts best in class producers that are passionate about fine wine. And we're also passionate for change in our industry. Our, uh, our portfolio spans with the Lawrence Wine Estates based portfolio down here in Napa. And it starts at Heights Cellar, Stony Hill, we have Burgess, all classic, we all classically produce really elegant fine wines and, and, and really elegant Cabernets that are synonymous to luxury. We have a wine bar um, in downtown Napa called Brendel, as well as we have Inkgrade, which is a winery that we're building. And also the, the vines come from Howell Mountain and they're east facing and the wines are just absolutely stunning. And one of the things that makes Domain so special is we're also an importer. So we're family-owned producers and, we're, and we have, you know, our farming legacy is really from the Lawrence Wine Estates and from my CEO, Carlton McCoy. We put a lot of investment into farming and ensuring that we do what we can to be environmentally conscious. We're the fifth largest landowner in Napa, but we have over 560 acres of organic vineyards. So we're one of the largest actually in North America and soon to be in South America, which is, which is really important. Uh, and then we're also an importer. So we import the Maxey portfolio. They've been making Chianti for 600 years. We have a Sancerre, uh, we have a Barola Barbaresco with Carome. We have a Chablis called La Chablisienne. They're celebrating their hundred year anniversary. And then, you know, we're continuing to build. The Lawrence Wine Estates just announced um, a new acquisition in Bordeaux called Chateau Lascombe, which is a second growth property in Margot, which is the largest single estate in Margot. So we're finally getting into our first acquisition in Europe, which is very exciting. And, and all that goes to, you know, my CEO, Carlton and, and uh, the Lawrence family. So we have a lot going on. We're, uh, we just got nominated for Importer of the Year for One Enthusiast. And, uh, you know, I, we always call it domain time. We like to go really fast around here. So there's more to come. <laughs> Awesome. Now tell us a little bit about your personal background, you know, how you were introduced to this and what made you uh, get into this wine importing and exporting business? Oh, sure. You know, the wine business found me in a lot of ways. Um, I started out really young in life. My, um, my parents got divorced when I was really young. So I skipped the sixth and eighth grade. I graduated high school at 15 years old and I went straight to a summer school program in Europe. Um, at that time, I think right before my 17th birthday, my parents got divorced and I ended up actually leaving school and I ran off to Hawaii. And from 17 to 25, I worked uh, as a waitress in, in you know, a restaurant and did that for about seven years. And I think you know, when I turned 25, I knew, I, I knew that I, you know, my parents gave me enough of a, I think, I had it in me that I knew I needed to do something else, right? Like life just goes by so fast, you know, you blink and next thing you know, I was in my mid twenties and still in this restaurant. And so I decided to, to really think to myself, okay, what can I do to get out of this business and to actually have a real career? 
And I met a really wonderful person that he used to come in and all the time. And he actually worked for Anheuser-Busch. And he said, you know, Flana, if you want to get out of cocktailing and into, you know, the beverage business, I'll give you a job, but you have to start at the bottom. And so my first job was a merchandiser at Anheuser-Busch. And I really started at the very bottom. I, you know, quit my evening job. Uh, I was making $8 an hour as a merchandiser at Budweiser and kind of worked my way up through the system, became a sales rep and ended up actually moving to the wine business at Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits um, in Hawaii as a salesperson and kind of transitioned from being in beer to wine and did that, you know, for about four years, maybe three, three and a half, four years. And then I got the entrepreneur bug and I decided to quit my job, um, which was pretty, you know, I think at that time I was in my late 20s now. And I decided, you know, I needed to do something different. And I ended up moving to California. And through just a bunch of serendipitous experiences, I uh, founded a water company, uh, became a broker of really interesting like wines and spirits, got an investor, you know, and ended up meeting the owners of Young's Market Company, which is the Underwood family. And they actually brought me into their business. They ended up buying my water company from me. They gave me a job. Um, and as a vice president for national accounts overseeing Southern California. And that was really my entry into the wine business. And I kind of moved up from there and uh, was promoted finally to come back to Hawaii, but as the first female uh, to run a distributor at 35. And it was really just a rewarding experience to be able to run something at such a young age and, and to run a wholesaler. You know, I was the only female to do so. Um, but I was also like, didn't even know uh, what I was, you know, at the time, what I had at that time, I was just so busy trying to focus on the job that I didn't even realize I was the only one, woman doing it, right? You're just so busy focused on work. You don't know at the time that you're carrying this torch, uh, which was extremely special. Um, and then I ended up moving back to California, was promoted to oversee new business development in, uh, in overseeing Young's Market Company for all of our wholesalers across the country, and then went through a transition where our company was bought by another parent company and ended up running, overseeing fine wine as a vice president of fine wine for the second largest distributor in the country, which is RNBC. And then from there, the pandemic hit. And I, I really made some changes. Um, I think the pandemic really changed the way I wanted my career to be. And I, even though I was really, I think, on a really good high, I'd been with the distributor and the wholesale business for 20 years. I wanted to do something different and I wanted to make an impact. And so I made a decision internally and I kind of put it out there as well that it was time for me to make a move, but I didn't know what it was. And I think that was one of the things that for me, when, when, when the height of the pandemic hit, it gave me a lot of time to kind of rethink my journey and how I wanted to impact the wine and spirits industry. And, you know, from there, I, I've done a lot of diversity work. I think throughout my wholesale life, I, um, I've always been a huge, huge advocate and champion of women in this business. It's very important, especially for young women that we support each other and we advocate for each other, no matter what. It is our responsibility to always, always support women and to ensure that they have a seat at the table. And I think that's something that I, I, I've always believed in passionately. And uh, we, I headed up, I was chair of the Women's Leadership Council for the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers. And, uh, you know, from there, I, we created a company, an, an initiative called Be the Change during the pandemic. And Be the Change was a diversity job fair that was created among myself and three other co-founders. And we wanted to create a platform where you can apply for a job. It was like 
one-on-one -on -one speed dating digitally. And all these wine and spirit companies would come onto this platform called Brazen and get a job through our initiative. And it was extremely rewarding to do that because I, I do believe that when you look for somebody, especially in, in this business, you have to look beyond the resume. Um, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the fact that I was extremely diligent and had some great mentors. If you were to look at my actual resume, the fact that I didn't have a college degree and I didn't come through the business formally, I think people would pass on me. So I, I do believe in kind of breaking down that barrier and, and being unapo unapologetic about being powerful in a way where you believe in yourself and you have confidence and you're surrounded by people that support you. Um, and, you know, out of the blue, a recruiter called me and and said, you know, I want to introduce you to a, um, someone that you need to meet. His name is Carlton McCoy, who's phenomenal. He's a, a very compassionate leader. He's a builder. He's a I mean, my boss is amazing. You know, he has a show on CNN. He's moving at a million miles a minute. He's <laughs> he's doing so many incredible things. He was the second African-American to earn his MS, uh, I think at 27 or 28. He's extremely driven, has built so many companies and he was looking for a president. Uh, and he, you know, he said, you know, I created this company, Domain Estates to be an importer, but I want you to build your team and I'd love to, you know, bring you on board. And obviously this is after nine and a half weeks of interviews, by the way, <laughs> it was not easy. <laughs> and uh, here I am. So the wine journey really followed me in a lot of ways and found me. Uh, I was extremely lucky because I've been on my own for so long and, and did not have the guidance of, of really you know, formal parents. I kind of just did it on my own. Do you feel that your somewhat unconventional trip into the wine space helps you to develop different approaches that maybe other um, brands might not see if they're starting from, you know, from knowing they want to do this from the beginning and kind of growing only within the wine space? Yes, I, I you know, there is no such thing as no to me. I feel that, you know, when I was in new business development at the distributor, I was always one of the things, one of my responsibilities back then in my, old, in my former role was to find these up and coming suppliers that were leading in trends, right? And, and giving them an opportunity for distribution and working with the team to, to bring their business to life. Now that I'm on the other side, you know, we, one thing that Carlton is, is, is extremely good at is, is building brands, right? And, and creating wine brands. But one thing that is, is also very important to note is you have to be authentic in everything that you do. And the farming, the winemaking, the marketing has to be truly, truly authentic because today's consumer will know if you are not being authentic. And so you have to be yourself, you know, in anything you do and, and always believe in your dream. I have always believed because of my upbringing and, and how I got into this business, to even to this day, I would never allow someone to dictate my worth or what my brand means because only I know. And so you have to have enough confidence and enough support around you to know that what you're doing is the right thing. And don't let anyone deter you, right? Um, and I do believe that life experience does change the way that you are in a leader. I've, I learned a great deal. I continue to learn. I you know we're all lifelong learners. I definitely, you know, I, I definitely don't call myself an expert by any means. I'm a student in life. Um, and But I love people and I love, you know, new experiences and and we're in the, you know, I think this is a, I mean, I'm in a luxury fine wine business. This is a great business to be in. <laughs> and if you think about it, I mean, I wouldn't be able to meet you and Nick. Uh, wine always brings people together. 
and that's what I think is very important. So yes, I think having the experience I had, I I do believe you have to be diligent and extremely um, no nonsense, and just just keep going. Don't don't let the negativity in the world get to to get in the way of your dream. And to talk a little bit about the wines, and I know you said you had an unconventional you know upbringing into this wine business. Was there any sort of a time where you did a formal training or was it all just learning and go when you're actually learning these products? Because going through and, you know, becoming a distributor and an exporter, I'm sure you have to learn these products as well and really get to know your wine. So what was that journey like in learning about that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I have never had formal training. It's always been on the go. Um, I wouldn't recommend that because I <laughs> because I will I will say that if I. And I will always continue to learn. I, I have been, I'm very, very blessed because now I have a, a master psalm as a boss and a CEO where he teaches me about wine. Our height seller estate director just earned his MS as well this year. That's really important. So I believe in formal training and education. I think that is so important and key to growing. In earlier in my career, I didn't have a chance, right? There was no opportunity for me to do formal training because I was trying to survive. You know, I come over at such a young age in Hawaii. I was just trying to make it happen. I, you know, I was, I was really just trying to survive at the time. And so next thing you know, you're, you're, when you're driven and you're going so fast and you're trying to just cover your bills, you're not even thinking about formal training. You're thinking about how much money can I make? So that way I can pay my bills. I can get my rent covered and how much wine can I sell? So I can get a large, I mean, you're just like, I'm a salesperson, right? So I was just thinking, what can I do to make the most uh, of my time so that way I can earn a good living? And I think that experience now, you know, I think today with my sales team, one of the things that I do believe in is you have to have formal training. And, and it's really about, you know, my mentor said to me, hone your skill set, really understand your business and hone it. So I take a great deal of time today to hone my skill set, to learn about my portfolio to take the master classes necessary so that way I can talk through uh, the wines with our customers, but also just because I also love fine wine. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing when you see something being created from, uh, from a vineyard that all ends up on your table. I mean, it's really an amazing process that happens. Uh, and you know, when it came to the distributor, I mean, it was literally learn. I remember becoming, when I first became uh, a GM, I mean, I was 35, I, I was like running a wholesaler. And so I just had to like, just figure it out. <laughs> but it's an incredible experience. It's not for everyone, I will say, because uh, um, you, you have to have that grit to get through it. There's definitely some tough days and there's still tough days. I still have tough days, but you can get through it. And Nick and I have a lovely bottle of the Lagrasse house in front of us and yes. like, like many, I have always thought of champagne as more of a celebratory <laughs> beverage. Yes. What how are you seeing um, changing in the champagne space? Do you think it's going to move away from that? I think champagne should be drank every day. I always thought that champagne should be drank every day. Um, what you saw during the pandemic, which I thought was really, really in, in, in informational, but also important to uh, the champagne business, is that champagne really grew the market share grew for champagne, right? So people were living for today versus saving a bottle and waiting two or three years from drinking it, right? And champagne used to be extremely celebratory. 
Now it's not. Uh, I do see it changing because champagne is very accessible. It's an accessible luxury. Uh, I drink it. I think it's important to drink every day. If you, I mean, obviously responsibly is <laughs> really important. But I, I do see it changing. And, and look, champagne is such a beautiful, um, I mean, the product itself is gorgeous. There's so many great producers out there. We're blessed to have Le Grand Haas, which is a phenomenal producer from Chouy in France. I just had dinner with Jerome Legras uh, from the family last night. I think champagne pairs fantastic with sushi, by the way. If anyone ever has uh, sushi and champagne, it, it tastes delicious. Or um, my favorite, actually, my favorite pairing is French fries and champagne. I can do that all day long. I think it's great. Um, or fried chicken and champagne is also very good. <laughs> but it can be very casual as well. Yeah. It doesn't Three have things that I've never tried champagne with that now are going to be on the top of my list. Oh, yeah. yeah now I'm do... rethinking what I had for dinner. <laughs> yeah, you have to do fried ch chicken and champagne or French fries. And ch it's such a delicious combination. Is there something about, I don't know, the uh, the bubbliness, the the way that the champagne kind of cuts through that fried like that? Hey, yeah, that it's a little bit of, of... yeah, it's a little bit of acidity, I think. I mean, we're all trying drinking the rosé right now, which is really beautiful. This wine, if you think about uh, the rosé, it has a little bit of still red, um, still red, still rosé is what it has in the wine. So most rosé champagnes have still red wine. We have still rosé wine. So that's what they do with, which is a little bit different, which adds it a little bit of a color. And it's extremely, it's got a lot of finesse. It's very elegantly balanced. It's got fresh red fruits. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful bottle of wine. And I'm drinking mine now. And especially yeah, after. Tell me, tell me what you think. And you have to have it cold. It's very important. Yep. I definitely, I had it chilled and I, I had a wine fridge downstairs and I definitely had it chilled and I poured it. And I do feel like even after the initial sip and after it warmed up even a little bit, I do feel like it's even opening up a little bit more and mellowing out a bit. And you do get a lot of that, the fruit and almost like berry notes coming through on it. It is a, it is a tasty champagne. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's um, the composition is 45% Chardonnay, 33% Pinot Noir. And out of that 33% Pinot Noir, 11% of it is still Rosé and then 22%, 22% Pinot Meunier. I mean, it's such a, I, I'm a big fan of Le Grand Haas. I mean, they've been making champagne for generations and their whole family has been involved in it. Um, if you ever go visit Champagne, you know, let me know. We'd love to arrange a visit. I'm sure, I'm sure. they're wonderful people. Jerome Le Grand is a fantastic human being, super charismatic and just so passionate about what he does for a living. It's really the people to me in this wine business is, uh, it always inspires me, but our producers are, they're really top notch and they're such characters. They're so fun to be around. Have you gotten to do a lot of traveling with being introduced to all of these different um, wineries around the world? And what are some of your favorite places that maybe that you want to visit and that you've already been? Oh, well, so um, yeah, I've been to, I've, you know, I've been blessed to be able to travel throughout the world. I mean, I love uh, Tuscany. The Chianti Classico region is beautiful. Um, when you visit the Metze family, they've been making Chianti for 600 years. There's a beautiful little village called Fonterutoli. Uh, and they have a little hotel there. It's adorable. And uh, if you ever go visit, I, I'll tell you exactly the itinerary. You go into Florence. There's a beautiful hotel, boutique hotel you can stay at. Um, it's such a, it's a family of uh, hospitality. So they do a fantastic job. Giovanni Metze. Is the export director. He's so fun to be around. 
Um, and I just love that area. The Piedmonte region is beautiful as well. So Italy is definitely one of my favorites. And then of course, Champagne, the Champagne region is also wonderful. Uh, Burgundy, we, uh, we actually work with a the producer there, Etienne de Monti, uh, who's Etienne Monti, Domaine de Monti is a producer and his Burgundies are delicious. Um, but then also here in the US, I just visited um, the Racine which is a project of uh, Etienne Montes, and that's up in Santa Barbara. And that's a beautiful little area as well. And they make great wine. Those wines are delicious. I know we've had, uh, obviously being a US-based podcast with a lot of, uh, you know, keeping it local here, we've had a lot of wines from California, even like Oregon and uh, New York uh, on our podcast here. I definitely want to do a trip over there to Europe, though. I know I've been to Italy once, but we didn't really go to that area. We kind of stayed coastal, like Venice and uh, Rome and things. But I definitely want to make my way up, you know, north and definitely into some of those more wine regions. And France is somewhere that I've never been either. So it would be cool to go do a trip like that and visit and bounce around and see all these different places. Yeah, you can do your podcast from there. Yeah, we have to, we'll have to take a, a <laughs> podcast trip. I know Bianca's personally been out uh, west uh, to Napa area Napa. and been out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I have not been overseas, so I'm sorry. I, I would love to have you all come out here to visit us and, and check out our estates. We have the most beautiful estates, Bianca and Nick, and uh, we would love to host. Absolutely, yeah. If we have, whenever we make our way out there, we'll be certainly reaching out and uh, visiting all of the people that we've gotten to talk to as well um, throughout this because we've met so many cool people and it's awesome. Been awesome to talk to you tonight about this and about the champagne. So with your local uh, brands and wineries that you work with there, do you have uh, any sort of a hands-on approach with what's, you know, being developed and what they're doing or do you just let the wine people run with the wine and kind of develop the best wines they can? Oh yeah. I for sure do not get, <laughs> you know, it, I think, one of the things that, um, and being on this side, and Carlton is the best at this, is he has the best winemakers on our team, and they are tasked to, you know, they are passionate about making wine. So I, I absolutely 100, 100% do not get involved. That is not my area of expertise, and uh, and I'm at, and I'm happy to not be involved actually when it comes to that because they know what they're doing. You know, our farm, our farming team, and our winemaking team is best in class. We have Brittany Sherwood. She's only the third one, female, third winemaker at Heights. Uh, she's also obviously a female winemaker, but she's phenomenal. I, I am always so impressed because her leadership is an inspiration. She's such a fantastic team player. She also made the number three wine in the world last year with Martha's Vineyard. She's just a phenomenal human being. Megan Zobeck, she was on Psalm TV. That's actually someone I, I think you all would love to interview. She's amazing. She's our winemaker for Burgess. She's no like Brittany is one of the most, I think, and an a great American winemaker because she creates classically structured, elegant Cabernet. And it's going to be stunning, the wine that she makes and what we're going to be coming out with with Burgess. And she's leading in regenerative farming as well. And she's so passionate about that and her farming. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Megan Zobeck. We have Jamie Motley. Uh, she was just featured in the New York Times another phenomenal uh, winemaker and she is our winemaker for Stony Hill. And just, I mean, our winemaking team is just like, they're world-class. Nico Cueva is creating Haynes Vineyard. Those wines are gonna be stunning. Matt Taylor does Inkgrade. He came from Domaine de Jacques in Araujo. Again, just another fantastic winemaker. His wines are 
full of finesse and elegance. So we have, our winemaking team is best in class. Carlton has, has put together a phenomenal team, but they, they, they're there for a reason. They, they know what they're doing. And are there any particular wines that you find yourself, uh, like varietals types of wine that are sort of your go-tos, your favorites? Do you have anything that you lean to more than others? You know, I, I actually drink champagne more than anything else. You know, I, I think we have such a huge Napa Valley Cabernet portfolio. Of course, I love Napa Valley Cab. But I, you know, I think when you, it's interesting, it's, it's my role, it's my job. So I don't really drink as much Napa Valley Cab as I, as I, I, I probably, people probably think I do. Because uh, I'm more of a champagne drinker, actually. And, uh, but I do love, for me, the Racine wines that Etienne is making and producing right now are fantastic. They do the Racine Sparkling and the Pinot Noir. Those wines are stunning. Uh, Matt Taylor's Ingrade Andesol, which is a Zinfandel uh, blend, is also just one of my more favorite wines that we have in the book. And of course, our Heights wines, but our, our Burgess wines are, are beautiful as well. I mean, all our entire collection is, you know, it's pretty stunning. And you obviously are, are very well immersed in the space, but when you're not uncorking wine or working, what can we find you doing? Are you, do you have any cool hobbies or what do you, what are you just passionate about outside of wine? Well, I do believe in self-care. So I, every Saturday, I call it self-care Saturday, <laughs> which is important. And, um, I, to me, it's, uh, I love to, I'm, I obviously love to do yoga. I work out. Um, I'm an avid reader. I, uh, I keep to my, I actually, it's very chill, very chill, but I love to hike. I'm lucky. I, I have a, we have a home in Sausalito. So I hike up in Marin, which is really, really special. I'm originally from Hawaii. I spent, you know, the majority of my life, half my formative years were in Hawaii. So I do miss Hawaii very much. Um, but when I get back there, I, I definitely love to hike is one of my favorite things to do. I mean, you've been surrounded by such beautiful places. So I'm sure that 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 helps when you're, uh, that helps with self-care, right? Just getting outside, being able to see all of the incredible places around you. Um, but Hawaii is absolutely unreal. We, we just visited in August and it was just such a unique experience. Uh, what island did you go to? We went to Maui. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was gorgeous. We did a hike and it was, um, we went up to the waterfalls and saw all the nature and everything. It, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, nothing compares to Hawaii. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, I miss it every day. I, I get to go back for the holidays because um, I'm always mostly here in St. Helena. But um, when I do go back, I like to spend most of my time hiking. I think it's important, especially for what we all do, you know, um, in our, we have such busy jobs during the day that you take time out for yourself and you just, it's, a, you know, I think, especially we always feel guilty for doing that, I think. A lot of times like, oh my God, I need to take, but it's really important to take care of it. Take care of yourself and, and the person. It's, it's important. Absolutely. And what better way to do it than enjoying a nice glass of champagne <laughs> while you're doing it, right? <laughs> I know. I mean, look what we're doing today. It's it's Thursday, okay. right? So Thursday <laughs> afternoon, I get to be with like two beautiful people, Bianca and Nick, and we're sharing a beautiful, gorgeous bottle of Legras Rosé. Like there's nothing better. It is. It's a lot of fun. So we're so glad you were able to uh, join us tonight and talk about it. And we look forward to working again in the future. It seems like you have a, uh, a lot going on and a lot coming up in the future. So we definitely want to keep in touch and uh, talk to you again when uh, more is coming out in the pipeline. Absolutely. Please uh, don't be a stranger. And I'm, I'm uh, grateful to connect with the both of you and, uh, 
And thank you for the friendship too. That's most important. Absolutely. Cheers. 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 uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.